0: You are listening to The Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 104. This is The Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At The Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing you should too. Hello, everyone. My name is Scott Wellens, and I am your host of the Best in Wealth podcast. Now, this is a show dedicated to helping real people, that is you, my friend, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor, and today's episode is... What is conventional investing? But before we get to the topic of the day, let's go back to 1976. You know what happened in 1976? Diet became a big topic on the Senate floor. Eating became a big topic. You know, most people, everyone should have known about smoking, Uh, by now in 1976 but people they were dropping dead from heart attacks at an early age in fact I think nine senate members or something like that had massive heart attacks all in a short period of time around that time frame there was or I should say there wasn't a lot of scientific evidence as to why There were a few scientists that started emerging saying that things like eggs and high-fatty meat and cheese and foods like that were raising our cholesterol and we should limit these foods and instead replace them with carbohydrates. So what happened? We as Americans We replaced the ribeye steak and the cheese with more rice, potatoes, and pasta. I mean, we did this because we thought we were doing the right thing. Now, to be fair to the scientist, the scientist was hoping we were going to replace the ribeye steaks and the cheese with whole grains and vegetables, with those kinds of carbohydrates. But what happened? The food industry totally flipped it on its side what the scientists said. They used the first part, the first part of high fatty foods are bad and they replaced it with all of this other stuff. So now every label you read talked about no fat foods. So we took all the fat out of all the foods but kept all the carbohydrates, the bad carbohydrates, and we got fat. That's what happened. American obesity went on the rise. We tried to do the right thing and instead we got fat. We caused all kinds of other problems but we didn't know any better. Why should we know any better? We go to a grocery store and all the labels are talking about fat free and we heard already that high fat is bad. So we just replaced all of our fat with bad carbs. I mean, you could find fat-free Oreos. You might still be able to find fat-free Oreos. And what what happened? We trusted the food industry. But why? We got fat during the fat-free boom. And my question to you is, what about your investments? Are your investments more like whole grains and vegetables, or are they more like fat-free Oreos? Let's find out in the topic of the day. All right, here we go. Conventional investment management. What is it? You know, last week we spent some time talking about stock prices being fair in in the stock market, just being this big, huge information processing machine that each stock price gets traded over and over and over again. Those trades represent all of the opinions and knowledge of that particular investor. And we never really know the real price of that stock. But when the market forces are at work and a company is being bought and sold and bought and sold, those market forces drive that stock price to its true intrinsic value it doesn't mean that stock price is always right but it means we can say that that stock price is fair it represents all of the available information about that company the only thing it doesn't have is future information and nobody knows what that future information is Well, today's episode is, if you think that's a bunch of hogwash, if you think that market pricing isn't fair, and again, I'm not saying that it's always right, I'm just saying it's our best guess at the price, but if you don't think it's fair, there's really four ways to invest your money, and all four of these are wrapped up in what I call conventional investing or conventional investment management. So we're going to walk through these four. And next week, we're going to go over and see how these four types have done throughout history. We have we have data on all this stuff. And if you haven't listened to last week's episode about how to access the power of the market, coming up with this idea that pricing is fair, go back and listen. Bestinwealth.com slash one zero three, you'll find that episode. So let's get on with these four ways of conventional management. The first one is trying to predict the future. This is the most common approach for people who don't think that stock pricing is fair. This approach is based on prediction and forecasting. And these kinds of methods include picking stocks expected to perform well in the future or moving in and out of industry sectors or attempting to time the market. It's all wrapped into predicting the future. And when I was at Xavier University taking my classes On financial planning, I took a whole class on investing and learned the different ways to value a company, things like the dividend discount model, which we're not going to get into, but that's one way or one model to use to try and predict what a company is going to do in the future. These All of these methods, though, they're, they're based on trying to predict the future direction of the economy, the stock market, or an individual stock. This conventional approach assumes that someone has a crystal ball. <laughs> I mean, it assumes it because we don't have any future information. All that person is doing who may have what they call a, a proven system for picking winning stocks or a proven system to know which sector's gonna do better this quarter or next year or a proven system to know when the stock market's about to hit a retreat or a recession or a correction. Because things like the dividend discount model, you have to predict things like the growth rate of the company. It is a guess, unless you have a crystal ball. Many people think that this, though, is the key to successful investing, predicting the future, when in fact, when people meet financial advisors or others in the investment business, their first question is typically something like this. I get this all the time. Where do you think the market is going, Scott? And when somebody asks me this question, they're basically asking me to make a prediction. Yet, friends, no one can know the future. And if an investment person could predict the market's future direction, do you really think, or let's say I could predict the market's future direction, do you really think that would offer that knowledge for free? I'm telling you what, I would be one rich dude. I would have millions and millions of dollars and I would not be sharing my crystal ball or my proven method with anyone. There would be no reason to do that. I mean, a prediction about an uncertain future is just an opinion. That is all it is. And it should not determine anyone's investment decision. And many people learn this the hard way. Now, we, we listeners, as family stewards, have no business basing our family's future on somebody's opinion or on somebody's guess. Does that really make us a family steward then? It's what I wrestled with for years. If I'm going to act in the best interest of my family, I'm certainly not going to base my family's future on an opinion or a prediction. All right, that number one is, that's how most conventional investing works. This is how investing started this is how the first mutual fund started so when you're in this boat you can either do it yourself as conventional management maybe you have that crystal ball or you hire someone who you think has the crystal ball either way it's making predictions either you are or you're predicting that somebody else can make a prediction the right prediction. All right, the number two way that you could approach conventional investing is acting on impulse. And what I mean by that is, have you ever heard anybody say something like, I can't take this bear market anymore. I'm getting out. Or the opposite. Everyone seems to be making money right now, so I want a piece of the action. That is acting on impulse, either on fear or on greed. And some people approach investing from an emotional perspective. They act on impulse, and their reaction is typically sparked by what I just said, fear or greed. Some may get anxious about the stock market and decide to get out. This may ease their fear, but it might be replaced by by anxiety of missing out on a market recovery investors who flee the market ultimately have to decide when to get back in when you get out of the market that's decision number 1 that might even be the easy decision the harder decision is to is when to get back in the 2008 2009 global market downturn offers An example of how the cycle of fear and greed can drive an investor's decisions. Some of the investors fled the market in early 2009, just before the rebound began. They locked in their losses and then experienced stress of watching the markets climb back out. The other side of the emotional coin is greed. We get anxious about missing out on what perceives to be a great investment. So we get out of our lane and we follow the crowd and whatever the crowd is doing. The idea behind investing is to buy low and sell high, yet following an emotional investment cycle sparked by impulsive decisions might bring an opposite effect. Buying high after the herd has gone in and then selling lower after it's a bubble and it drops. Investing on impulse is very, very dangerous. Investing using your emotions. And here's the deal. It is so very difficult for us to be subjective about our own money. In fact, it's nearly impossible, which is why a lot of times people elect to have somebody manage their money for them, someone or some advisor or some company that can be objective about your money because you most likely cannot. And emotions, do you know when they really start brewing? They really start brewing the older you get. And when it comes time to start taking your money out of the market, we can look back at 08 and 09 and say, hey, I weathered the storm. I didn't get out of the market. But you know what? It's different when you're working and you're still pouring money in. It is way different. Picture yourself now, retired. Maybe you retired in late 2008 and the market just kept going down. Your emotions are much higher. Or maybe five years after your retirement and you start seeing your million dollars go down to 900 and then 800,000. All the while, you need to draw on that portfolio. Think of your emotions then. That's what I'm talking about. Don't think about just now or what you've done in the past. Think about the future. All right, number three way to invest in conventional management when you don't believe that market pricing is fair. That's what these all have to do with. Well, the third approach is to bet your savings on tips and hunches. I know this sounds ridiculous, but think about it for a second. Here's a tip. Or a quote that I've heard before from people. I heard it on the news, so I better sell now. The news is telling me that the market's about to go down. Or what about I got a hot tip from my neighbor? It's gotta be a slam dunk. My neighbor sounded really positive about this company. I ought to buy it. Or even, more so, my friend works in the industry. He's got the inside scoop. Or maybe you work for the company. Or maybe that company is in your neighborhood or your city or your state so you feel like you know it better than the the millions of other participants. I mean, approaching conventional investing this way is almost from a get-rich perspective when you act on tips or hunches. They might seek out investment insight from cable news programs that feature the Wall Street experts who appear to know something valuable? Is that you? Do you approach investing from a get-rich-quick perspective and act on tips and hunches? Do you seek out investment insight from cable news programs that feature Wall Street experts? And these Wall Street experts, they appear to know something. Or are there other sources that you use? Maybe an investment newsletter or something like that? Because you know what? There's also a social element to this predictive investing. People like to talk about their, their winning investments at parties. We have a, a big block party coming up on Saturday. And it's a perfect environment for somebody to gloat about a good investment that they bought. But you know what? You're probably never going to hear about the losers. Just like when your buddy goes to Vegas and they win, you hear all about it. But when they lose, you hear nothing. And people, we, I have in the past, often followed advice from friends or neighbors or family especially if this insight that I'm getting offers the potential to make a fast and easy return. It sounds so sexy, especially for people who feel like they're behind in their retirement years. But most of the advice, in fact, almost all of it is just noise. Because when we're not caught up in our emotions, we know deep down that there's no shortcut to growing wealth. So why do people keep investing this way? That's exactly the way I used to invest, and it drove me crazy. It's before I understood what it meant to be a family steward. And in a lot of cases, though, for a lot of people, it's all they still know. They think this is how investing works. And now we get to the four, or the number four approach to conventional investing and that's being swayed by the media listening to the media either on the news or in magazines or newspapers I mean things like in 1979 when business week came out on their front cover with the death of stocks well they said the death of equities I mean think of you in 1979 the stock market was not a great place to be in and that magazine said stock investing is dead. You should not put your money in the stock market. The only ones that should are people who are gambling. It's not a good place for your money. It's not safe. It's not right. Equities are dead. And if you follow history from 19, past 1979, we started seeing one of the biggest, strongest bull markets on record. But if we're reading that magazine, I mean, what are we supposed to think? If I'm reading that magazine, I mean, I'm only eight years old at the time, but I'm probably getting out of the stock market. And these types of articles or these types of stories on the news happen over and over again. And these so-called experts, listen, they are not paid to make the correct prediction. They're paid to make a prediction, period or they're making a prediction based on a book that they just wrote, and they want to sell copies of their books, and the news want to get to your emotions. They want more listeners, and they're not going to get more listeners if they don't stir up your emotions with these stories. The financial and popular media define what investing is for many people, Whether the the message is crafted by a financial publication, a website, or a cable program, it often targets human emotion. In these news outlets, they prey on investors' fear and anxiety about the future, while others suggest you can tap into special knowledge to gain quick, easy wealth. Investors who are tempted to act on these media messages should remember the media is selling entertainment, period. They want more subscribers. They want more listeners. They're not concerned with real financial advice. So if you don't believe that market pricing is fair, I've offered you four different approaches to conventional investing but let's go back to the original story that I told you in 1976 about the food industry and how from 1976 on we as a country have gotten fat eating fat-free foods why Because we were swayed by the media. Why? Because we listened to the big, large companies that told us what to eat. When in fact, they didn't care about our health. They didn't care about what kind of disease we might get. All they cared about were their company profits. And when you listen to these four conventional approaches to investing, don't they sound a little bit similar? I mean, this is the way that investing started. But you know what we have now? We have science on our side, science telling us the best way to invest our money. And in the next couple episodes, I'm gonna list two other approaches that are available to family stewards other than these four. And if I struck a chord with you, if you want to have a conversation, I want you to email me, scott at bestinwealth.com. We'll schedule a time to have a conversation and I will offer up some free advice and a free x-ray on your portfolio to see what kind of investing you have been doing. But for now, my time is up. I need to go but I want you to think long and hard. How are you going to guide your investment life as a family steward? Are you going to listen to the media? Are you going for the conventional approach? Are you gonna listen to the large companies or are you going to listen to science? Everybody, have an awesome week. I'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye.